Hi, this is Erica Potter. And this is Hunter Willis. And this is Hot Girl Briefing. Yeah, so we know that we did not actually talk about who actually gets the investments in the Belt and Road Initiative, which, you know, why it's taken us a couple episodes to get into it, I don't know. But here we are, we're getting into it today. So let's just kick it off with Erica. Can you just give the little disclaimer for our audience right here? Yes. So for our reporting, we consider BRI countries that have either signed a memorandum of understanding with China, or there are a few countries that have not acknowledged an MOU or denied having signed one with China, like Russia. Yeah. So Russia, we are considering a BRI country just because China invests so heavily into it with infrastructure agreements, just kind of like it does with the rest of BRI countries. But there's been no official MOU or denial of an MOU between the two countries. So for our purposes, we're going to consider Russia a BRI country involved with China. Yeah, I'd be very surprised to find out that Russia is not involved. Like if someone were to tell me that, I would not believe them. Russia and China are besties. Yeah, because Russia almost takes on the stance of like, if you're against the U.S., then you're pro-Russia. So if you hate the U.S., then obviously you're my friend. So clearly- It's like that TikTok sound. Like if you mess with me, you mess with her. You mess with her, you mess with me. That's China and Russia. Yeah, pretty much. It's like there's no formal alliance there, but you can totally tell that they've, they've got a mutual dissatisfaction with the U.S. We'll put it that way. Yeah. So So, we have that disclaimer. Now tell us Hunter, how many countries are we counting for our reporting that are invested with the BRI? So for our purposes and our reporting, we are going to be saying that there are 142 countries that are involved with the BRI. So they range everywhere across the world, except for North America, the U S Mexico and Canada are not included in the BRI countries. But they're every other place. Kind of to break that down, we're seeing that 42 countries are in sub-Saharan Africa, 34 are in Europe and Central Asia, and 18 of those 34 European countries are within the EU. 24 countries are in East Asia and the Pacific, 19, 19 countries are in Latin America and the Caribbean, 17 countries are in the Middle East and North Africa, and then six countries are in Southeast Asia. So what are the economic makeups of these countries? So they've been classified into the income breakdowns of low income, lower middle income, upper middle income, and high income. In total, there are 29 low income countries, 39 lower middle income countries, and 40 upper middle income countries. And then there are 33 high income countries. This all comes from... Christopher Netafil at the Green Finance and Development Center and within his article of Countries of the Belt and Road Initiative. Just want to give our proper sourcing there. But with this, we're seeing that there's not one specific type of country that China's looking to invest into. You know, there comes this reputation of China investing in a super low income countries in Africa. And that's about it for the BRI, which clearly we're seeing here is not the case. China's investing all the way over to Latin America and the Caribbean. China's investing into countries in the EU, countries that are high income, countries that are upper middle income, countries that are low income, like there is the reputation for. So while, yeah, you're seeing that 
there's a large amount of countries in Africa that are being invested into. And there's a large amount of low and lower middle income countries that are being invested into. That's really not the makeup that is being seen across the board. There's actually more upper middle income and high income countries than there are low income and lower income and lower middle income countries that are being represented here. So while there well, is yeah. a reputation, it's not, it's not true. Well, because like, you know, I'm thinking the BRI has like five major priorities. So like your pri- your policy coordination, infrastructure, connectivity, unimpended trade, financial integration and connecting people. And you're not going to get all of those priorities from just a handful of countries that they might typically do their dealings with. They're definitely probably expanding to countries we might not normally associate with making deals with China for the BRI because in the way that it all makes up that it hits the targets that they have for those certain priorities. Yeah. A lot of people just conceive the BRI as only infrastructure development, which that is a large portion of the BRI, but it's not, it's not all of it. One of the bigger portions are connecting people. China wants to get out there and have more soft power in the world and spread Chinese influence across the world where the U S already has this, you know, institutions like media, like the New York times or the Washington post, You'll also see it across with Hollywood gets mentioned all the time. You're seeing Hollywood get mentioned across the globe. It's not like it's just limited to the U.S. or some European countries. You always hear about, oh, okay, yeah, there's one really big person that we know there. Elon Musk is known across the world. Elon Musk is known as, you know, the guy, he lives in America. Is he from South Africa? Yes, but he lives in America. You hear Mark Zuckerberg's name. You hear Donald Trump's name even before he was president. So you're seeing these cultural significances coming from America that are spread across the world, but you're not necessarily seeing Chinese influences spread across the world. So China's really trying to get that, these different areas of influence under Chinese influence and being able to spread more Chinese influence throughout the globe. Well, here's, it sounds like China wants more cultural icons. Yes. And I think they could start by maybe unbanning some of the media, but the BRI is a great step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. China definitely has their own domestic issues that would help solve their soft power issues and their different dynamics in regards to soft power of being able to spread that. But this is one of their ways of, hey, if we're going to be heavily investing in this country, we're going to be sending Chinese citizens over there to work on these different projects. We're going to be connecting with different embassies that are local within each of these host countries for BRI investments, that's going to go a long ways where you wouldn't necessarily always be able to do that just if you had Chinese icons. You know, like, yeah, we have American icons, but we also have a lot of embassy work that goes on in other countries, which China's really moving to get more invested into. I will say that Chinese street fashion is becoming very popular, especially in the United States. Completely Mm -hmm. side note, just, I do love their street fashion, but so we've heard how they want to connect people. And, you know, obviously the BRI is about infrastructure. So how are they taking steps to financially integrate as one of their priorities of the BRI? Is it because they're involving those countries that are from different economic levels? Yeah, that's one way. You want to be able to spread out your economic impact across all different income levels. You don't only want to be interacting with one 
you know, tax bracket per se of countries. You want to be interacting with all across the board because that's going to show other people, hey, you're not opposed to interacting with me. So I will reach out to you. And I think that I could have a genuine connection with your government working with my government on something. You're also seeing this financial integration go into the EU when China's having these partnerships with different EU countries. That's one of the big things that, you know, we're going to see play out in the future. You know, China's heavily invested into Greece as one of its BRI countries. That's really going to go a long way within the EU of saying, hey, maybe we should start working more with China instead of against China. And you're seeing this play out in real time of where the EU is not necessarily following the U.S.'s lead in everything. You're seeing some of the EU countries say, hey, maybe Huawei isn't so bad. Maybe we should let Huawei do our 5G infrastructure. Whereas the U.S. is saying, absolutely do not let that happen. But they're not listening to the U.S. They're starting to move over more towards a neutral stance towards China instead of just seeing it as such an enemy because they are becoming more financially integrated and they can't just cut off China like they would previously would have been able to do in 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, definitely seeing that Chinese soft power influence at work, mm-hmm. changing the minds and hearts of countries all over. And yeah. I bet America is not happy. No, not happy at all. It's not like, you know, China's only using military might like we see their military base in Djibouti. That's one of their strategies going forward for their national security strategy. But honestly, soft power plays a much larger role than a lot of people want to give thought to. A lot of people think about it in a realist way of where military might is the thing that matters. But, you know, personally, as a constructivist myself, I tend to subscribe to that theory more than others. I'm not saying it's a perfect theory by any means, but I tend to view that one a little bit more. When you're looking at China's interest and China's identity, they want to go and spread their power using soft power. They don't want to be getting into wars with people. They don't want to start World War III. They would much rather do this through connections of people that they are having their citizens in other countries or having other country citizens within China. You know, they don't want to do this as, hey, guess what? World War III is coming to a place near you soon. That's why China for the 2008 Olympics, big deal. Now China hosting the 2022 Olympics, big deal. Those are big measures of soft power as we talked about in our Olympics episode. That's a major source of soft power. Guess what? The entire world is watching your country of what it's like to be there. You're hearing athletes from every single country go there and come back and talk about their experience in China. That's one of the best ways to utilize soft power. So when you're talking about connecting people, that's one of the best ways to do it. And guess what? If you have over 142 countries that are currently in the BRI system, that's really going to help you out when it comes to creating that soft power. Yeah. So, you know, obviously people are wanting to invest in China and invest in the BRI, but let's, let's get to the root of it. What, what's the money? Where's the money investing into what countries are investing into what, you know, it all comes down to money. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on each country. There's very specific parts that are going into what China is investing into, whether that is infrastructure projects like rail networks or ports or they could be investing into hydroelectric dams to help them create electricity. It really varies for every single country on what it is. It's not just a 
here, here you go. This prescription should fix everything. China's really going in on a very individualistic way to individualize the BRI for every single country involved within it. And that's one of the reasons why these countries, these host countries really like the BRI because it's not just, hey, guess what? We're gonna give everybody a hydroelectric dam. Okay, that's really not gonna work for everybody. Not everybody has the natural resources to be able to do that. They don't, they don't have the reasoning to wanna to make a hydroelectric dam or they don't need a new railway. They already have enough. So it's not the same for every country. It really is different for each of them. And that's one of the reasons why you're seeing such a positive connotation come out of the BRI for the countries that are being invested into because they feel like it is individualized and you're seeing different investments going to different sectors within each country. Different corridors, you could say. Yes. Yes. So where are we seeing this investment? Like what corridors have we been seeing talked about or even already starting construction on? So the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, they name six corridors in specific. So the new the new Eurasia land bridge, it's essentially a rail to Europe through via Kazakhstan, Russia, Belarus, and Poland. There's the China-Mongolia-Russia economic corridor, including rail link and the step road that will link with the land bridge. Then you're seeing the China-Central-West Asia economic corridor that links Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Iran, and Turkey. Then you see the China-Indochina Peninsula Economic Corridor that includes Vietnam, Thailand, Lao People's Democratic Republic, Cambodia, Myanmar, and Malaysia. You're also seeing the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor that links Kashgar City and Xinjiang with Pakistan Port of Gwadar. And then there is the China-Bangladesh, India, and Myanmar Economic Corridor, which we're not seeing as much traction on that because of you know China and India's military problems and social problems that have come from the last, I don't know how many years at this point. So that one's a little on the back burner, but the, like I said, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, they specifically named these six corridors. And that's not even mentioning the Maritime Silk Road. So we're seeing the belt be talked about a lot more than the maritime routes. Wait, you're going to tell me that Russia has its own economic corridor and they won't sign a memorandum of understanding with China? You know, it's a little weird. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little dicey at times in politics. Some people don't always want to admit to everything. So it's okay. Russia just has commitment issues. I totally understand, you know, us (laughs) being Gemini's, we understand commitment issues, Russia. It's okay. Just be out and proud about it. Yeah. So, I mean, it really is, we're seeing the BRI. It's, it's for a ton of different countries. It's not just for one specific type of country out there. It's really going across the board. So we're seeing this as a lot more infrastructure based, but it's not necessarily like that all the time. So when you're seeing this reputation of, oh, you know, if this country's involved with the BRI, they must be really poor and they must be getting into this debt trap and they must just be receiving only infrastructure that's really not the case. We're seeing that it's not just poor countries. It's not just low-income countries. It's not just countries in Africa or Southeast Asia. And we're seeing that it's not simply a debt trap like everybody wants to write it off as. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of these kind of blanket statements being made, but we're not seeing the actual data behind it to support those claims which this might sound pro-China in some people's eyes, but it's really not just because it's simply based off of what is actually happening, where what's actually happening is it's not just a low-income debt trap problem for Africa and Southeast Asia. 
yeah. And you, if you want to hear me and Hunter discuss more of that debt trap myth, definitely go check out one of our previous BRI episodes where we go into that a little bit more, just like we're going into it a bit more with the investing of other countries into the BRI this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But with that though, that kind of concludes of who exactly is being invested into with the BRI. If you guys want country specifics, definitely check out our source material on our website. You guys can check that out. It's under the countries of the Belt and Road Initiative. It lays it all out right there, as well as the China Belt and Road Initiative Investment Report from Green Finance and Development Center, also from Christoph Netafil. So you will be able to see all of these sources there on our website, and you guys can check out the super specifics for yourselves. But we just wanted to give you guys a quick overview of who exactly is being invested in. Yeah. And tell us what you think of our segments. You know, we saw such a popular response. We, yeah, we saw such a popular response from, you know, our initial episode talking about the BRI. So we did this segment. Tell us how you're liking it so far. Give us a rate review on Apple podcasts on our website. Hunter works so hard on that website. I so did, definitely I really did. check it out. <laughs> Hunter will, will never stop. So you just have to give us a review to make Hunter happy. Please do. It really does help other people find us. We know we say it every single time, but honestly, the way that people find podcasts and searches is based off of their reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if you guys can give us a review, if you guys can subscribe, that would help us out so much to reach new listeners, which we've been super fortunate of reaching a ton of new listeners lately. So we thank you guys so much for that. And we just really want to keep up the momentum. Yes, please give us a review. Like Hunter said, we read all of them. We love seeing it. We screenshot them and send them to each other. We read it probably before we go to bed, just as nighttime affirmations. So we are really doing this for you. We really love to see them. Please, please, please consider giving us a review. I honestly do wake up every single morning and go and look and see if anybody else gave us a new review. I'm not even joking about that. I am an absolute dork about this podcast. I have so much fun doing it. I know Erica does too. I literally wake up every single morning. I'm telling you, that's it's the first thing I do. I roll out of bed. I go over to my laptop. I see if anybody left a new comment. I check our Instagram to see who follows us and I'll tell Hunter about it. So that's another <laughs> screenshot waiting to happen. Like, oh my God, we got a follower. Yes, it's by far one of the most exciting things. So if you guys want to help make my morning even better, definitely leave us a rating, review, subscribe, or a comment. We truly do appreciate it. But with that, instead of going on and on more about reviews and ratings, we will see you guys next week for a full-length episode of your Hot Girl Briefing. So thank you all for tuning in. Stay being hot girls. If you guys want to use the hashtag Hot Girl Brief, we would love that too. We kind of want to make that a thing now. So definitely definitely use that hashtag hot girl brief and we will see everything that you guys are saying. So with that, yes, we'll and don't forget to tag us. If you yes. use hot girl brief, tag us. Yes. Tag us in the picture, tag us in whatever you do, and then use that hashtag. And we will see you guys on Monday. So we will let y'all know if there are anybody, if there's anybody that has used that hashtag in between. So with that, we'll see you guys on Monday. This has been your hot girl briefing. Bye. Bye.